personality creates your personal reality. Authentic power is when your personality comes to serve the energy of your soul. The truth is the body is one ecosystem. You can get to the root cause and everything goes away. Thank you for tuning in to the Recondition podcast. I'm Lauren Vaknin. I'm a health writer and holistic wellness coach. And my own journey from disability to remission taught me that wellness through a mind-body approach can take time when we don't know where to begin. And that's why I created this podcast, to bring you the answers to all your well-being questions in the most accessible way possible. Whether you're suffering from chronic illness, raising children in a world of conflicting information, or you simply want to feel empowered and motivated to become the best version of yourself, join me along with expert guests as we uncover the most actionable ways to recondition ourselves back to wellness. This episode of Reconditioned is sponsored by Mega Home Water Distillers, the most reliable and efficient home drinking water distiller. Mega Home are kindly offering listeners of the Reconditioned podcast a 5% discount. Just use the code CONDITION5 at checkout. That's C-O-N-D-I-T-I-O-N-5. Thank you to Mega Home. Welcome back to Reconditioned, everyone, and thank you for tuning in once again. I've got a very special episode for you today uh, with a very dear friend of mine, Aisha Carrington, who is truly a wonder, actually. She created a business called uh, Get Lit, and she, um, she facilitates the Get Lit retreats, which I was fortunate enough to go on in Morocco last November, And it was honestly a transformative experience for me. I came away having discovered things about myself that I never knew. And it opened up a whole load of stuff. I mean, my ancestral healing journey started there. Um, Definitely did so much inner child healing, mirror work, shadow work. I mean, it was really, really sensational. It was also quite poignant for me because I was in my ancestral land. My dad's family are from Morocco. My dad was born in Morocco, lived there till he was 20. Um, And generations and generations before him for as far back as we know are from Morocco. So it was very special for me. And the interesting thing about it was that I didn't know my grandmother from that side very well. She lived in Israel we saw her once a year and she died when I was 10 so I didn't get to know her that well Um, and I was very close to my maternal grandparents so when I went to Morocco although I felt like oh I'm going back to my ancestral land and, and I had been to Morocco before for family stuff but I didn't feel the sense of connection and then very kind of divinely timed an aunt sent me a picture that she found of my grandmother with her mother and her sister and two of my grandmother's eight children. She had eight biological children, including my dad and two stepchildren, um, sitting down outside the house. They had presumably stopped their chores for the day and they were sitting and I could see everything I could see in this picture. It was talking to me so much. And they were sat there with a... Um, an authentic Moroccan teapot and tray in front of them like they'd stopped their chores for tea 
she was pregnant again my grandmother with I think it was her fifth or sixth child in that picture it was taken from the 1950s and this picture got sent to me just before my trip to Morocco and in this trip Aisha organized for us to have a photo shoot, self-love photo shoot this was a self-love retreat so it, it, it really opens up a lot of stuff surrounding where you're lacking in self-love and where those blocks come from and she organized a self-love photo shoot and the photographer was this most amazing woman called Leonie who I showed the picture to and she said wow that's pretty amazing are you I mean we should recapture this this image and I said what do you mean and she said you're in Morocco now and you've just done all this like inner child work and your grandmother probably never had these sorts of opportunities you know we should recapture this and so after the shoot was done she went downstairs with me and we found a place to do the photo and we recaptured this image and the very next night we did an ancestral healing meditation with one of the other girls Kelly Pretty who if you're not following her on Instagram you should she's brilliant as well um, she facilitated this ancestral healing session and it was like I was releasing these generations of repression and oppression in women, the women from my ancestral line and knowing that all women of those times, like literally just before our generation would have suffered so much in so many ways. You know, my grandmother got married to my grandfather when she was 18, he was twice her age, he, he was widowed, he already had three children, she raised two of them, one of them was the same age as her, so didn't live with them. She then bought eight children of her, her own and all she ever did was provide, provide, provide. You know, she was maternal and nurturing to her core on the outside and there was so much love from her, but she had no connection to self and no way of releasing herself from that sort of oppression and the, the requirements on her and in that ancestral healing meditation it was like I released all of that for the generations before me and the picture we took was the same image of me sitting on the floor with my legs out with a Moroccan teapot in front of me and it was so poignant because it was like history had rewritten itself in a positive way so the backstory of my grandmother in the picture was stopping in her chores that would never end you know that she would go up on on the roof one this is the story my dad told me once the sun had gone down once a week and that's where she would wash the sheets so once all the kids were in bed and you know her her chores were never ending and then there's me in this picture with my head wrapped in a headscarf like in her picture with a moroccan teapot in front of me sitting on the same moroccan earth but free from all that oppression and all those ties and able to step into my own purpose and my power and my self-worth and make decisions and choices that were for me not for everyone else and it was so poignant and such a huge part of my inner child healing and my ancestral healing which has had a huge impact on gen my general well-being um, so I wanted to share that with you and the episode with Aisha that you're about to hear it was like a chat between friends that opens up so much amazing stuff 
that we both delved into and like it, it was like a therapy session almost and we were like oh wow yeah it was it was just so beautiful and we ended the the recording and we were just sat there talking to each other on zoom both crying and really emotional about the things that had come up so i'm really excited for you to hear it and um looking forward to you kind of immersing yourself in this as if you are perhaps with there with us or you know just imagine kind of this is you're in a room with two friends having this really deep spiritual chat that opens up so much so much space for healing where we just kind of like hold space for each other and so much opens up from there so enjoy Aisha is amazing I know you're going to love it don't forget to get in touch and let me know your thoughts. Follow me on Instagram. And if you like this podcast, or any of the episodes, it really helps other people to find it. If you um, share the episode on social media, if you rate and review it on Apple. Um, and I also just love to hear people's thoughts and if they're enjoying the show. So enjoy and on with the show. Aisha Carrington is a prominent speaker and educator in spirituality using meditation, sound and angel guidance as mediums for her gifts, facilitating groups in London's leading wellness studios. She is founder of the hugely popular Get Lit Retreats, an urban retreat that uses laughter, dance, R&B and soul and so much more to help women release stress, recenter, and find a path back to self-love. Aisha's passions lie with bringing diversity and inclusivity into the wellness industry in a truly heart-centered way to make access to healing and wellness an open, safe space for people from all backgrounds. So I am so excited to have you here. We've been talking about it for so long and obviously now was the right time for us to share this. So perfect, perfect timing. Hi. The journey. Okay, I always begin with the journey. Um, your upbringing, cultural background, how you came to do what you're doing. That's really how I like to start. Amazing. So, um, cultural background. So, my parents are both, my parents are both born in England, but their parents are both from the Caribbean. So, they're from St. Vincent and Barbados. So, that's where my grandparents are from. That's where a lot of the heritage is from. So, that is kind of like why I always wanted to mix it into what I do. And that only really came in like the last five years. So that's where I come from. I'm also from a background of being a personal stylist. So like fashion is my everything and it always has been. So it's always been a bit about just working that into life. So I've been, I was styling for maybe 10 years before I got into the wellness industry. So that is where my heart and soul has always been and always is, even when I turn up to things. And especially when I, when I got into wellness, it was always a bit like, well, I want to bring my culture into this. And I want to bring, you know, a bit about style because we've all known for so long, wellness was all very seemed as hippie and you, know, you had to be quite mm. free and the clothing you'd wear would either be yoga inspired or it'd be like, big baggy colorful yeah. pants like you was at a festival so when I moved into wellness it was bringing that culture of myself and how I dress whether it be like a Bob Marley t-shirt and it would be like adidas pants and big hats and just really bringing bringing my fashionable flair into wellness and I think there was a real cut off point where it felt like if you were a certain type of person whether it be due to race culture or just how you dress then well, the minute you got into a wellness space you had to try and conform so it was really nice to try and bring all those elements together and 
just bring each flavor into it so that's a bit about how I've mixed that into work and just about bringing it into life in general and owning who you are I think that was also a part of it I love what I love that about the fashion because I always felt like because I love clothes as well and I always have done and again being in wellness I always thought that it was like I didn't fit into the kind of um super fashionable I don't know you know that side of things but then did I have to dress like you know a 1980s hippie to be accepted in the wellness industry and actually the whole point of spirituality and wellness is delving into who you are and finding your authenticity so I love that people like you are doing that because I've definitely found that for me bringing my own uh, identity into what I do without having to feel like I have to conform to how I should look it's so important, but also, you know, it's just how you're talking about fashion, you know, we can kind of see fashion as being, especially when you're in the wellness industry and in spirituality, you're kind of making it acceptable that fashion doesn't have to be the superficial thing. It, it's really, you know, an identity thing. So I love that. Yeah, I really think so. That's even why now when it comes to like the retreats that are for longer retreats, ones that overnight, I think fashion is such an important thing because you got to think we get up every single day, which is why I love styling so much. It was my first healing modality that I didn't even realize because it's a body armor. You've got to think when we get dressed, whether it's for school run, whether it's for going out at night, whether it's for every day, it's why we think when we go into an office, we think suits because it's a body armor, it's how we dress, it's how people perceive us, and it's also how we care for ourselves. Like just putting on nice underwear is self care because you think about yourself differently, you carry yourself differently. So, especially when I was going through my um, real deep healing, I realized that I really, if I didn't rely on fashion, I couldn't. I couldn't protect myself in sense because it was a protection it was a form of you're going to see my hat first maybe you won't see how I'm actually feeling so it is so healing for so many people like when they put on weight they completely feel different because of how they're now dressing so it's now learning to dress your new body and how that feels so I find that it's such a part of self-care how you dress yourself. Mm. so how do we balance that then because you say you know people see my hat before they see how I'm feeling how do we balance that between allowing it to be a part of our identity but not allowing it to kind of overshadow or be the thing that's kind of like the armor not in a good way you know kind of overshadowing what's actually really going on or being this kind of um this screen that's protecting us from being able to 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 access our feelings so I think everything comes in timing. So I think for a point, like I said, that was really beneficial for me because maybe I couldn't step into spaces if I didn't have my body armor. So it's like, it's that it's that good point of, you're gonna put this on because for now you may be in healing zone. So as long as I feel like this is, it's really good to touch on this because I feel like this is a big thing of Instagram as well. It's like the unfollow culture is amazing. So it's like, if that was the clothing is the body armor, so you go into it, but that doesn't mean that you aren't internally healing, you aren't mm -hmm. internally seeking therapy or help or you're going to the doctors. But in order to step into different zones and not have to just be inside 
if you're in a really depressed state, that is a good way to do it. Or if you don't like, like your body, rather than I can't go out for my friend's birthday because I hate my body. You know, when you learn to dress it, it's, it helps you get to that space where you may not have got to. And that's how I kind of feel with Instagram. It's really great to unfollow someone that could be triggering you. But a lot of people unfollow without looking at why is it triggering me? If someone's bought a new car and that triggers you, you know, look at, what am I not doing for my own self-care? What am I not allowing myself to move forward and grab and get that that is, that is you know, that's hurting me. That's making me want to unfollow them because they're constantly getting new clothes. Well, what have you not done for yourself lately? It's fine to unfollow people, but find out why. If you're unfollowing someone because you just don't like their content, you know, we, everyone's not for everyone. We are in a Marmite world, that's fine. But if it's a bigger, deeper reason why you're unfollowing somebody, please do unfollow but you also have to take care of why is that reason that's so profound because I think we can say that for generally not just Instagram right because it's like I had this conversation with my husband the other day he was going you're triggering me what you're saying right now is triggering me I said okay but let's look at why it's triggering you don't just look at I'm triggering you let's have a think about why what I just said triggered you and we need to do that, don't we? Because we need to take responsibility. And we spoke about this on the episode with Melissa on episode 23. She was saying, you know, if someone's triggering you, it's a reflection of what's going on in you. It's not what they're doing. People aren't doing to us. Things are going on within us that need to heal. And I also really love what you said about that because healing takes time. So if the clothes are at that particular moment are what are getting you through that healing process to get you to the other side, then that's okay. It doesn't mean it's a vice or it's external gratification just to kind of cover up whatever else is going on. It's helping. It's a medium. It's helping get you to that point. So that's really, I really love that you said that. Mm. So, so, so you, we don't realize that everything can be a deeper thing. It's even what we do with food, isn't it? Like for a time, food might be your comfort. Then after a while, you know, when you're getting to a bit of a better space, you have to look at what I can't still use this as a comfort because, you know, I need to look at what it's doing to my body. So well, there's there's always an action. Like even when you said about people triggering you, like you said about your husband, it's like, that's great. Look at why it's triggering you. But again, mm. we always, this is there's something that's always got me about that. You know, when you say, people say it all the time, it's a, it's a bit spiritual thing as well. It's like, if someone's triggering you, look at why. Mm. And that's a mirror of you. And I believe that to be a real thing. But there's also a thing of like, there is certain people that could, you know, trigger you on purpose. So it's a, it's a two way thing. The triggering needs to, you need to look at yourself and your healing and accept mm. that. But as a partnership, as a friendship, as a relationship, we also need to be careful that there's certain things that could always trigger people, no matter how much they're healing, it could re trigger something they've already healed. So it's just such a touchy pathway. Yeah, you're right. No, you're so right. I think in this instance, it very much was, I knew what, why it was triggering him. And I knew that he, I could see what he needed to open up. Mm. And if I told it to him, he'd get even more triggered. So I just had to say, okay, you know, I'm sorry I've triggered you, but why don't we look at why I've triggered, why it's so triggering. But you're right, because there are certain things that for us as humans are going to be triggering or certain people, you know, like my mom, I love my mom so much, but certain things she does or says trigger me but mm. then you know equally if I look at those things there are reasons why those trigger me you know based on childhood stuff and so I think that you know we can always kind of delve into that and see but you're right you know everything is nuanced nothing's black and white and we can always you know nothing's ever okay it's always you or it's always them mm, so that exactly. 
be. Yeah, sometimes that sometimes we can avoid looking at something because you feel like, well, you've triggered me and that's you, or you've triggered me, it's me. And you can either go, it could be there's so many ways that you know that we could self-harm on ourselves because you know, you keep looking at yourselves for triggering, which is such a good thing to always check in with yourself. Why is it doing it to me? And once you've aligned with that, that's fine. But also to not be like, oh, you know, it's true. There's so many different ways to look at it. So I think once you've always done that self-check, that's great. Yeah. And then I guess what you're saying is finding balance because, yeah, like, you know, we can take everything too far, right? So the whole self-reflection thing can be, okay, maybe it's just too much maybe sometimes I just need to step away and not constantly look at myself and what's wrong with myself and what have I done wrong so a bit of balance maybe perfect balance is definitely the right word but you know what you said as well about kind of giving yourself time I like that I think maybe in all aspects of self-reflection self-healing self-optimization whatever we want to call it we can put a lot of pressure on ourselves where where, what you said about the clothes resonate why it resonated with me so much is because instead of expecting everything to be perfect and you start doing the work on yourself and therefore you expect such and such to happen sometimes you have to do certain things to get yourself just through that time because things take time and a bit like the triggering stuff maybe my husband just needs to feel triggered for a while until he can come to it on his own when the time is right and I think timing is important mm, I, I definitely agree and we seem to want to rush things because this is this is our life now things happen in such a fast pace like even when it comes to my own healing or my own so like things will come up again and I'll be like well I've done that work I you know it's like a little bit of anger from that work but we always forget that this is a this is forever work and that's the bit that's sometimes so painful like this journey of self-love this journey of self-reflection and healing it can be a consistent onion that we're peeling and sometimes that can be the hard part so true right because sometimes you're just like you think you've got it all figured out and things feel really aligned and then something else will come up to test you or to see if you're you know in your purpose and in your authenticity and you'll be like for god's sakes you know i thought i was there Mm. you know and then it's just yeah it's constant learning what i want to know is were you brought up with spirituality well i was brought up religiously christian other than that but i wouldn't say that i lean into that for you know for years I don't think I've learned into that because there was there was two household there was two religions in my household my um my dad's a Rastafarian so he's a Rasta and my mm. my mum was brought up Christian like her dad was Christian he religiously went to church until he died so there was there was these two differences so I feel mm. like because there was those two differences I never had to feel to lean into one way so I believe there was a higher purpose there was a high there was a you know I believed in a god I always prayed to a god but you know as I grew up I started to learn different modalities of that and that if in fact it's really good to take from as personally I have taken from lots of religions this isn't that anyone else has to I've taken Mm -hmm. on from a lot of religions there's things that I see from people that are Muslim, people that are Buddhist, that, and I take on a lot of it and I make that my own thing rather than I stick to one religion. Yeah, I so agree. I think it's nice, you know, saying that you were brought up with two religions and that it's not that that confused you. What that did was open you up to the idea that there is a God and there is some sort of, or whatever you want to call it, some sort of higher divine being. Um, And you, I guess, would have taken things from each side. So you're saying your grandfather going to church, sometimes, you know, the family going to church is like a real 
warming thing that you look forward to because it's a part of the family culture and something that I don't know that that kind of um that remains with you as a good memory and then on the other side of things having different different cultures and and traditions the same with my family and I think we can take so much away from that so when did it kind of merge more into because I mean all religion is spirituality right it all came from the same god for the same reason the same messages being shared just in different ways or interpreted in different ways but quote unquote spirituality when did that come to you and when did you start taking that to the next level I would say maybe just before I had my daughter so in my early 20 I had my daughter when I was 21 so I would say when I was about yeah about 1920 I started to look into you know the more spirituality the more the law of attraction the more training the way my thought is and in that obviously became like a you know you're searching you're looking for more things and to how things can be done differently so yeah religion aside when I started to really go inward and find myself and how I could show up to the world that was around about that age my early early 20s and did that help you then in early motherhood as a young mum most definitely it really did help me because uh, as we you know being a young mum was hard anyway and I was very very much connected to my mother like we are still best friends so moving out was super hard I moved out when I was 21 and it was really hard and being able to be you know we weren't that far away but you know being outside the house not being on the same road is, is hard enough when you're that close so yeah. it was a real it was a real good thing to lean on and then you know I split off my daughter's dad in the first year so again having that higher purpose having that that way of thinking was was really helpful mm, yeah so when did it happen that it, it that you moved from styling into the wellness industry and how so, how did that happen or like yeah so that was as I said so I think I started I had a mentor and um I think it was one of her words when she said to me what do you I think I was starting to get into a space of so I think it was around 2015 I started to 2014-15 I started to my daughter was a bit older and I think I'd moved back home because um, I'd moved back home for a bit to stay with my mum and because I had it kind of you know as I said I broke up my daughter's dad quite young and I had you know therefore I was a single mum on my own from a very young age so I, I had all the plates managing and I think when I moved back to my mum around 2015 I was allowed to place the plates down and with that um, I got complex PTSD and I was, fell into a very deep depression. So obviously being able to lean on those spirituality things, being able to lean on meditation rather than looking to medicine to help my, my depression was so helpful. So the more I learned these things, I was like, well, if I love these things and so many other people must. And I said, so I had a mentor and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm not sure where I am with styling at the moment. And she was like, well, what do you love about it? And I was like, I love helping people. And I'd always wanted to be a life coach from a very young age. From thinking when I had my own life coach with me and my daughter's dad broke up, I was like, I really love this. I love this helping people. So I thought about going into coaching and I tried it and it really wasn't for me. But that enabled me to, I was able to step into, well, I like styling because I actually like healing people. I like helping them. I like finding out more than the fashion side of it. I was always asking them, so what's really wrong? So where, where do you really need help? So with that, I thought people obviously aren't knowing you know, on a greater aspect, on a great aspect, how amazing meditation can be. Like the people that 
come to me for help aren't knowing that meditation is literally medicine being able to connect back to yourself so then when I learned that I obviously wanted to take it out to the wider world and then as I got into a deeper and deeper depression I started going to retreats and finding things like that and I started also thinking well this is amazing but I feel like I need more and if I need more more people must so then I just started learning more I started you know getting qualifications and then I just that's how I really started to embody it and make it my work so I just trans I couldn't in that deep depression state you know going through complex PTSD some days I couldn't get out of bed the house so being able to style people just wasn't accessible for me anymore and it just I'd lost the love for it trying to as I said put on an armor to go and serve somebody when I really just need to serve myself yeah that's so profound it kind of acknowledging when we need to serve ourselves and we have to stop serving others in order to let that healing happen mm. are you open to talking a bit about your depression and oh, kind course, of yeah. love to hear more about that because I think so many people suffer from depression and hearing other people open up about it and you know the journey of that and where it took you or where it came from um really helps most definitely so looking back now I can see that my depression was an awakening it enabled me to connect to my angels on a much deeper level than I was ever aware of but um the depression came from a childhood trauma that was you know ignited by this TP like the complex PTSD so because that had came it started giving me flashbacks of what happened to me as a child and then moving into that allowed the depression to really take center stage and the both of them were the healing processes I needed to look at in order to move on and I was just aware that as a child I was connecting to angels in a way that I didn't know but that was actually keeping me in a space of being safe and you know feeling like I had a connection that I wasn't alone in this so it was it was it was throwing me back to all these things remembering all these things that were throwing me deeper and deeper into this depression and it was it was very deep and so suicidal and putting them all together as I said allowed me to have this awakening because I started to connect to spirits I started to connect to my grandparents that had passed getting channeling messages from them so it, in one aspect it felt so healing that I was able to access this other part of my spirituality but on the other side of it it was you know really really sad so as I said I went through this childhood trauma and it was really amazing because it was my own grand's anniversary of her death yesterday and off the mm. back of that made me remember that you know as I said I went through this childhood trauma and without talking about it because each word can also be triggering for the other so it was because of that that you know I'd, I'd opened up as a child to say these things had happened to me and you know when my grandparents you know it was on that side of my it was my um different grandparents side it was my dad's side and I, off the back of that I'd admitted that this had happened and people didn't believe me so while I was going for this yeah. deep my um gran had come through to me and it was my mum's gran had always come through to me and she'd always supported me I'd be able to channel her through most of my depression but it was um and I'd always wondered why my dad's mum didn't but she came through at one point and she she apologized and she'd said she was sorry and you know she said she hadn't believed me and being able to channel that message was so deeply healing while I was in that space that you know the reason I was in this depressed state was off the back of all that and the PTSD that had come so there were so many beautiful moments throughout the depression but also very dark suicidal ones was that enough at that point did you feel like it was too little too late or were you able to forgive her 
oh it was the most it was it was never I, I, it wasn't too little too late it was exactly what I needed at that time and even now in this afterlife I feel like it's bonded us in a way that would maybe not have happened so it, it's been really beautiful and as I said it was our anniversary yesterday and being able to to be able to remember that it, it was so healing because it even meant that in the afterlife I can look at her in a much different way if that forgiveness hadn't come it would have been a lot harder to you know there, there's bitterness in there there's hurt and pain in there if you haven't had mm. that confirmation or forgiveness absolutely I still think it's pretty amazing though that you were able to find that within you the forgiveness and and be open to all these things while you were in kind of the throes of depression which sometimes for some of us we can't then look at anything like that everything is just bleak so it's pretty amazing that you were able to do it but I'm guessing that that was because of your connection to spirituality and understanding that however depressed you were on this kind of human level there was a bigger picture and I think when we have an acknowledgement that we things aren't as bleak that's so true and that's why I found quite hard about my depression because I'd obviously had this um, forward-thinking spiritual mind this positive attitude mind and I always felt like the two minds were consistently at war with each other so you know as I said oh, I'd think God. I'd think suicidal thoughts and I'd go to the doctors and be like but my rational mind in my heart space and you know the spiritual space knows that that's something I don't want but yet I am very close to feeling like this is it for me so I'd go to the doctors and say I don't understand how I can be I, can, I know what my higher self wants but this, this big dark cloud is taking that away from me. So I found like the two of my minds, the two of my souls and hearts were consistently at, at war with each other. Do you think maybe that was part of the journey though, part of your learning journey to, in order to be able to learn how to merge the two and how to have an understanding of what we are on a human level. Cause I, you know, I, I always come back to this. I think it was Jim Fortin who says, we are cosmic beings having a human experience. So we absolutely are those cosmic beings, but we also absolutely are having a human experience and having a human experience may, means that you go through, you know, we suffer the human experience. We, we are prone to suffering and we can't change that. We can just change kind of how we react to it. So be, having those two at war potentially was part of the journey to kind of merge the two. Most definitely. I do. I do agree. And I think, yeah, I think if I'm, I'm able to, was able to see it, I think that having that other side of me and it being so ingrained in me was the reason why I'm still here today, I think. I think that's so, such a great lesson for people to, you know, it, it doesn't, whatever state of depression you're in, don't judge yourself based on that, just keeping the faith, regardless of how depressed you are, is going to have some sort of beneficial effect along the way. I definitely agree. It's like it was the light always pulling me. So I found that really positive. Wow, it's so amazing to hear. What I'd like to know is what modalities did you use for your depression? Did you go to therapy? Was it simply the meditation? What healing modalities did you use? And did you end up taking the, the antidepressants? And I never took antidepressants. I think I tried a few tablets, literally as in 
five to five to ten and I was just like I had this deep feeling that I, I a friend even asked me maybe a week or two ago because she, she'd ended up taking antidepressants she said why didn't you and I said you know personally I always wanted to personally know that I could get through it and I could I, in my head this isn't to say for anybody else not to take these but in my head I was like I want to be able to feel and get to these emotions. I didn't want to feel like this is this is not what antidepressants do. This is what my own thinking was. So please don't take it that this is gospel for what happens. But I didn't want to feel like I was covering up or making space for myself to not delve deeper into what was going on inside of me, to not look at the CP, to not look at the complex PTSD, to not, I didn't want to avoid anything. I was in that space where I wasn't working and I wanted to literally work on myself, find myself, heal myself. And I didn't want anything else to take away from that. So I wanted to find things and places and people that, you know, was able to guide me back. And it was a really, it was Christmas, I think 2018. And my daughter was, um, she was she, she most Christmases she goes up north with her grandparents and her dad and she was um, up north and I was you know Christmas is very much for the children so I was kind of in that space where there was no one home I think everyone was away and I was like okay this is not where I want to be and I don't think that I could actually break another day I'd gone to the doctors that year like literally days before and I'd said you know how do you know when it's not when that thought of suicide is is then moving into an actual action that can't be there's no turning back and she was like well you know I don't really know because people don't often come to us when they're to to say this and I said and that was again where I said to you like I was being guided by my rap by my by my higher purpose and anyway so it was that day I was on the sofa it was really it might be Christmas Eve and I was feeling like you know this is this is it and an angel came to me at that, that that point and was like, you know, that there's other options. And I think I was moved back to a space of finding tablets. They were herbal tablets. They were um, to help with my serotonin level. And once I was guided to them, I was able to move forward in a whole nother level. So it, it was it was a two way thing. It was like I had something to support me that I felt wasn't wasn't the antidepressants but was actually helped raising my serotonin level and I had the angel guidance there that was like guided me at that really dark point where I didn't think I could go on so with with those two things they really helped and then meditation I had Reiki sessions I um did I have therapy at that point I don't think I had therapy at that point because I think that was the reason I kept going back to the doctors because I was like you know I need therapy and I'm not getting it and that that was it yeah because I think as a child I'd, I'd gone to therapy and didn't really understand how talking could help so for years I'd put it off but at that point I was like you know the, the waiting list was so long so and I wasn't working so it wasn't like I could afford to do it myself so yeah that's why I did I had Reiki sessions I had meditation I was going consistently to yoga three times a week and aiming for two hours at a time and that was really supporting me learned that tap water contains things like chlorine, fluoride and excess amounts of oestrogen, I knew I needed to make this a priority for my family's health. So I spent hours researching water purification systems. In the end, I chose a mega home distiller and here's why. Firstly, they're one of the only distillers that actually removes hormones like oestrogen as well as the chemical nasties. Believe it or not, a lot of the distillers out there don't actually remove much, they just improve taste. The Mega Home is also a really compact system that sits on your countertop. 
Taking the nasties out of the water was obviously the most important thing, but it had to be affordable too. I couldn't spend thousands on a complete home water filtration system, and that was the final deciding factor. The Mega Home Distiller is surprisingly affordable, and I managed to get enough water for a family of five from one to two distillations a day. I personally recommend this distiller, and luckily for us, the lovely guys at Mega Home have been kind enough to offer listeners of Reconditioned a 5% discount. Head to megahome-distillers.co.uk and enter the code CONDITION5 at checkout. That's C-O-N-D-I-T-I-O-N-5. Thank you to Megahome. Well, I mean, I'm just kind of in awe at how you used these kind of spiritual modalities to guide you through the darkest time. Um, I have, did you have you heard about Gabby Bernstein's story with medit with um with depression? I think it's funny you said that because I just I, I hadn't touched on Gabby Bernstein for a while, and it was I think I'd watched her one of her Opal Soul Sundays or whatever it is, and yeah. it was may, maybe that was 2016. So as I said, it really started in 2016. 2016, I, I found Gabby Bernstein. I, my friend had sent me this YouTube. She's like, "Oh, you'll love this lady." I turned to her. And it was seeing Gabby, seeing how she makes spirituality so now at the time that I was like oh I'm really drawn to this so at that point again as I said to you I didn't have much money and I wanted to delve into more how spirituality become my work so I'd heard Gabby Bernstein's story it also triggered because she as she'd been through you know an abusive timing at that point she was talking about it and I was like okay great so I got into a real Gabby Bernstein hole of like you know, loving everything she did, wrote, reading all her books. And then she was offering a course of how to help you step into spirituality into your work. And I think it was something like £2,500. At a time I was like, great, I'd love to do that. You know, knowing that I couldn't, she shouldn't be going out there saying, I don't have the money for this. I think I was on yeah. the course at the time and one of those pop-ups had come. And so I'd gone this pop-up and was like, when would you next be running this course? And the guy was like, and the pop-up was like, well, why, why are you, what's wrong with you joining now? And I was like, well, it's not really in budget at the moment, you know, not using the word I didn't have the money and yeah. he was like well we offer it we offer a scholarship I think it'd be really good for it and I was like oh okay thinking you know you probably say this to everybody I then went on the net and was googling how to find out about getting the scholarship and they, they hadn't advertised it apart from on Twitter for years so I was like this is really weird so anyway I hate doing YouTube videos I hate talking about myself and that was a really big thing you had to make a video send it in in order to you know see if you could qualify for the scholarship but I was in such a space where I knew that I wanted to make this my work so anyway that's what I did I put a video forward and I got a scholarship for it and it was so helpful at my own journey um there was a meditation she did that super triggered where I was at and super triggered even more stuff coming out so I remember listening to this meditation and it was a huge trigger for me and my PTSD went into abnormal level of speed of bringing me everything that was happening and again I was quite angry at the time like oh my god I did this meditation I think I'd gone to a hypnotherapist at the time and I'd rang her up and she was like that triggered something that we've actually already healed but that triggering something actually put me into an even deeper depression but again I accessed my angels at a ridiculous level that we hadn't actually come one-to-one with so it's as I that's why I say there's always layers to the triggering and you know it, it can be good it can be bad but it's always finding that one thing like I said to you you know I was on my what I would say you know it was at the end for me and that angel came and swooped in and saved me and that may not have happened had I not did the triggering meditation that took me to that space six months later.
Wow. Yeah. See, what I loved about Gabby Bernstein's story, and the reason I brought it up, was I've heard her recently talking about postnatal depression, and she was in such a bad place that she had these suicidal thoughts and that what you were saying before about kind of being in battle with yourself and she had all this guilt surrounding look what I do for a living and people follow me and the things I say that they should do to make them happy and here I am depressed wanting to kill myself after I've had a baby and she was literally in the space of constantly judging herself because of that which wasn't obviously helping the healing Mm. um and she was so bad that she had to take the antidepressants. And she said, mm-hmm. I didn't have a choice because I would have died otherwise. And so what they did was they just got me through that stage so I could then do the healing so I could come off of them. And I think that was really Oh, you know, to hear that from someone who does what she does, I think she's very brave for saying it. Um, I think it's really important as well. You know, I do think there needs to be a balance. I think in this country and in America, antidepressants are way over prescribed before any doctor actually sits down with someone and says, okay, what's causing this? Let's find the root cause and let's find ways to work through it. And like you say, you know, therapy just isn't just available for everyone who needs it. And some people can't afford to go and get a private therapist. Um, So there's all those factors to be taken into consideration. But there are obviously cases where, it is going to be the only thing that gets you through. And I think then understanding, okay, I'm not going to use it as a crutch. I'm going to let it get me through, let it help me through. And then I'll start the healing when it gets me into a space where I can do that and then be able to leave that to the side, you know? So it's it, like you say with the fashion, you know, we use things to help us heal, but then we have to do the deeper work. We can't rely on these things to be the external force. That is so true. I must go and find that story. That's really beautiful because that is that is such a thing. Like when I finally did get a therapist, and I was, um, I think, as I said, this was still 2018, maybe beginning 2000. Yeah, it was 2018, and I remember beginning of 2019. I remember saying to actually not that long ago. I remember going to them and saying, "How am I supposed to? I'm now in this wellness world. I now." you know proclaim all these things help and right now I'm in such a deep space how am I supposed to you know that was a real feeling I was like yeah how am I supposed to show up when I'm not I remember that with you I yeah I remember that with you and I remember saying to you you can be a work in progress and still help others your gifts can still your gifts are still your gifts regardless of what you are experiencing on a human level it's so true and it was so good when you gave that information and the therapist also also said she was like you know if you went to a doctor and they were really ill maybe they had diabetes or they had cancer or something would you feel like you couldn't take their advice from all the knowledge they already know because they themselves were ill and I was like no you're right you wouldn't you you just take on their advice because you know we're all human and these things all happen it doesn't mean you don't have the things to help and not everybody's at that space where where you are Mm. And also the gifts that you have and what you can offer people is different to what someone else can. So the fact that you went through an experience as a child, number one, wasn't your fault. So that caused, um, you know, a, a chain reaction of depression and PTSD, which wasn't something that was within your control. But also that what that did cause was part of your healing and learning journey. I mean, I'm learning this myself now. It was kind of like, you know, I 
I cured myself from the arthritis and I was in, you know, wheelchair and now I'm not. And hey, and now I'm a coach and da da da. Oh, but then I get hit with this trigeminal neuralgia thing. And then that feeling of, oh my gosh, well, are people going to think that I'm, you know, good enough to give them advice on their health and their life when I'm managing a condition myself? But I know that that condition was meant to take me to the next level of learning so that I can help people even more. Because if Mm. I really go into this condition and see what are the lessons here, what's it trying to teach me? What is what what is the test and what are the lessons? That's what makes me a teacher, how I how I manage it, not whether or not something comes on. That's so true. I think it's just another way of us to, you know, as we do, as I said earlier, sometimes we, we, we get at ourselves for things that. We, we really don't need to be so hard on ourselves about. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And I remember you in that space and it was amazing because you were still teaching so much and offering so much guidance and doing things with everyone else that was like, people were having these profound moments of awakening because of you. And then you were like in this space and found finding it difficult to believe in yourself when all around you were helping all these people. So it was so important for you to see that. It was, and it was such a, it was such a beautiful space. I remember you sending me a card and it was just, it was just such a good thing to realise that, like you said, you can help people even though you're not in your own space, as long as you're still helping yourself. Absolutely. I think that's what it comes down to. If you are trying to help people, but then you're going home at the end of the day and not doing any healing on yourself, then that's not a space that you can be helping others because it's not coming from a place of authenticity. Mm. I think that's that's definitely a a big point in terms of you know teaching or you know being a healer of some sort um I'm interested in knowing about your meditation practice and what is involved in that so I always say that the biggest meditation practice I have is connecting to my breath so I always say that we have our breath and it can connect to at any point so even if there's times when I obviously go through beautiful kundalini meditations that I'm doing for 80 days 100 days and there's times when I don't have the headspace the time for that but as long as I can connect to my breath I find that is the most beautiful guide back to myself and even when people say you know I can't meditate I say but we have the breath and you know what yeah. we seem to as we do with everything this could be we do with everything because we're human we're people we, we can make something to be harder than it needs to be and all I say is if people remember that, you know, you can just close your eyes wherever you are and you can breathe and literally just take a breath in and out. That itself is meditation. Connecting to the breath, concentrating on the breath is is meditation. So I am forever doing that. Yeah. And that's such good advice, because like you say, we we just overcomplicate everything, don't we? And simplicity is key. We don't need we're not trying to reach enlightenment. We don't we're not trying to, you know, become these monks in a cave in the Himalayas. We just need to connect to the breath and kind of calm everything down so that we just calm the autonomic nervous system and just find allow the brain to have some space, which we don't get in this daily life anymore. This is it. And you know, when we go back to what we say to kids or what you say when you're angry, when you can just count to 10, again, mm-hmm. you're in a space of meditation because you're stopping how you're feeling. You're, you're connecting back to how you're thinking. You're trying to calm yourself down. When people say just, you know, stop and count to 10. Let's be honest. That is a form of meditation because you're stopping mm-hmm. how you're thinking. You're, re, you're going back into your, um, you're accessing how you think and feel and you're calming yourself down. That is basically meditation as well. And- self-awareness you're practicing self-awareness and that 
is a form of meditation just being like connecting to your consciousness we all have you know we are all part of consciousness just being aware that you are consciousness is being conscious I also say to people sometimes you know they're like I just can't meditate I just can't meditate so instead of daunting them with okay you need to sit down for 20 minutes you need to do this and you need to do that I think okay do you have a shower every morning yeah when you're in the shower can you take a minute or two minutes of that shower no longer or if you can manage it just the whole shower you don't need to do anything else that takes time out of your day because you're having the shower already to just breathe and if you have a mantra introduce the mantra if not don't worry about that but just breathe in breathe out breathe in breathe out that is a meditation and then once people see that okay that's made them feel better and that was one minute or two minutes out of their day they instinctively just then want to take it to the next level this is it and it's so perfect to remind you I always do the same remind people about the shower about the bath or just those five minutes in bed before you've even got out like you opened your eyes before you reach for your phone or do anything else or you think about what you gotta do for the day just take five breaths in and five breaths out for yourself yes yeah I mean before you start your day it there could not be a more important time to do that I think because then you are really setting yourself up for the day. For me, it's like before, you know, sometimes my kids wake me up in the middle of the night or ridiculous times of the morning. And, you you know, I used to get really angry about it. And, you know, I mean, I'm feeling really aligned at the moment. And so whatever time it is, I just think, okay, you know, first of all, I'm not going to tell myself this constant story of I'm tired and blame it on my kids, you know, because how is that going to help? We can choose our thoughts. So, you know, and I am not my thoughts. I can choose what they are. I if I have the choice to choose, why would I choose a miserable thought? So I just put a good thought in my head, right? You know, an affirmation. I, I usually use the same affirmation to start my day every day just to like help that. And I think if you just do that, you know, a nice affirmation, you start, you're setting yourself up for the day. And then like you say, some breathing, even if it's like a minute of breathing in and breathing out intentionally, it's just so such a great way to start your day with intention. It's so beautiful. It's just, and as we said, these are just such simple reminders that when we give ourselves the excuse, I don't have time to meditate. Of course, those days when I have half an hour and an hour to meditate, I am on a different level of Zen for the day, a different level of productivity, a different level of self-love and self-care of how I talk to myself. They definitely work. Half an hour to an hour is amazing. But if I, if I don't even have the five minutes check-in or the one minute check-in, it really throws my whole day off. It's such an amazing thing for us to do these little reminders of the shower, the bath, the five minutes before bed, the five minutes or the minute before you get out of bed, because it's so great when I have the half an hour and that hour meditation. Those mornings when I'm able to get up at six and have half an hour, hour to myself just to meditate, to connect to my self-love, my gratitude, to access the angels, my days are a ridiculously different level of productivity, of alignment, of self-care, the way I talk to myself. It's on a completely different level. It's so nurturing. But if I don't even connect to that one minute or the five minutes, my whole day is like thrown off because you just realize that you're on autopilot of you know, maybe it could be anxiety, it could be stress, it could be thinking of the next thing. There's, you're not living in the moment, but the minute you set that intention to live in the moment and just connect to your breath first thing in the morning, or whenever you remember to do it in your day, it, it can literally change your day. It really does. My friend called me yesterday and she was like, you know, I was having a really stressful day and I had so much to do. And then I thought of you and I thought about meditation and I thought, okay, 
you know, I've got all this stuff to do, but I'm going to meditate. And then because she meditated, she was able to do all the things that were on her list because she, you know, your productivity is so much better when you're coming from that space because stress and the stress hormones, you know, in a physical scientific sense, they do not help with productivity. Mm-hmm. They make it harder. What I want to step into now is, um, business because you are a female entrepreneur in the wellness industry and spirituality and I am really really passionate about women stepping into their purpose and using that purposeful energy to create successful businesses and one well, I think we touched on that a bit before but one thing I think many women feel is but maybe they don't actually acknowledge at a core level is that we don't deserve to earn a lot of money from what we love or you know, especially if you're working in the spiritual or holistic world, it's as if you shouldn't earn from helping people. But I'm such a big believer in money being an exchange of energy and that we can choose how to take it in and how to put it back out. And I, I'd i love to know how you, as some, as a woman in business, in the field of spirituality and wellness, how you feel about that. I completely agree with that. And I think, you know, money is the most beautiful exchange of energy and you know, when we think of it, money is there for everybody and it's, you know, it's all these beautiful, amazing things, which I am still stepping in and growing into. Because as we said, being someone in the spiritual world and knowing it's so healing to people, it, it has always been that pull for me of like, oh, you know, well, if someone can't afford it, I really want to give it to them because it's, you know, I know how much it can help somebody. And mm-hmm. therefore having it at a price that's ridiculously accessible, but that doesn't always serve me as a person. So this is something I'm still stepping into and growing into. When I stepped the retreat, I set it up as an as it as just it wasn't it wasn't a profitable thing. It was just me having a space to A, I was still in depression. So it was having a space for me to step into and grow from, me to step into and you know help use these healing modalities to help others. And then you know as I got better and wanted to make it in more of a business I'm now stepping into believing that you know it's also a worth money you're you know you're deserving you're worthy and as a woman and as somebody as we said in the spiritual healing modality world it's also a bit of like yes I do deserve this there's still affirmations I'm working on stepping into but I truly do believe that you know this is a this is a world like every other world that you know you need to charge your worth and your and when you're doing these energetic things it take it can take so much from you and you give so much so yeah I do believe that you really should charge your worth but it's something I'm stepping into I went onto a retreat recently with Shah was meant and it was a business retreat and again you know I hadn't stepped into that world of being able to talk money as much as I have on that retreat and the retreat was truly amazing it's called the one retreat and I literally just went on it maybe a month ago even that was stepping into a completely different world of realizing I went there feeling like women in business have these huge egos and all these things I had all these thoughts and feelings about it and once I got there it was such a healing thing to be able to speak money to speak worth to speak how much I believe I'm worth to be saying I want to start charging this and I just think as I said of everything there's healing there's growth there's a time for everything and I believe that we all step into it at a different time and I'm, I'm now stepping into it. I just love that I love that you're stepping into it and seeing your worth because you know let's take the retreat as an example you know I paid a substantial amount of money for that retreat but what I got out of it from you you deserved that money 
So why would I not pay that to you? you yeah, know? that is. And as I said, as I was going through that healing space, it was like, you know, it's such a big deal to be able to accept that. And I really feel like the new affirmations I'm saying and telling myself, are, I'm very much accepting that. I'm very much knowing that that's a thing. But, you know, does it not scare me? Of course, it, it still scares me, but I'm stepping into that. And I think that's the, the beauty of of owning your worth and being able to say that this this what your work does deserve that absolutely do you know who's a great lesson for this our mutual friend stevie b um who has been on this podcast and she is helping women with body confidence and she is a stylist and she is smashing it and i want to touch on why she's smashing it because it's quite profound in terms of what we've just been speaking about in terms of the exchange of of energy when it comes to money what she's doing at the moment is she is helping so many people get to a place of body confidence and people that I know from you know Stevie and I grew up kind of around the same area we know a lot of the same people and she's having styling sessions now with people I know who never would have considered a stylist because it used to be that you know, stylist is for people with loads of money and you must be really pretentious. And because of how she stepped into her worth and her power and her her passion to help people love themselves, whatever their size, she is getting all these clients and everyone is happy to spend this money when a few years ago they would have thought of spending money on a stylist to be totally a luxury, superfluous, just not worth it. And so I think that's a really good um, example of that of how we can when we step into our power and our purpose and we're really really following our passion we understand how the money comes and how it flows and why we deserve it and we don't question that anymore you're so right and and it's so nice to remind us about stevie because she is amazing and she's grown and glowed so much. And when you're speaking about that, I thought of her journey and I thought I've known her since she had the children and she'd, um, you know, she'd, she'd stopped styling so much and then she got back into the world and watching her growth of it. But she's, what, what you touched on, which was really good and which reminded me of, of what somebody once told me, it was to remember, I used to think of start when I was a stylist and even when I started doing my, my, my meditations, people paying me for them, I used to think they were paying for the hour. So sometimes I'd think, well, I can't really charge that because they're only paying for the hour. But what you right. like, what's good to remember is they're not just paying for the hour. They're paying for the, all the thousands of pounds I spent on training. They're paying for all the thousands of pounds I lost for my healing. They're paying for all the things that I know that nobody else knows or how I'm going to let how I'm going to tell it to them like nobody else has because you, know, you can hear things from 10 different people but it's that one person that says it a certain way that sticks into your mind maybe that yeah. they've come to me to say it that way so rather than me always feeling like you know if I'm charging you 200 pounds that's a lot for an hour it's like it's not just the hour is it it's the 10-15 years I put into that hour Absolutely. And just also what they're going to take away from it for a lifetime. It's not an hour. If you offer something for in that hour that they're going to take away. And I know this, you know, with clients that I've had who I've said something. And to me, although it's part of, you know, what I teach and obviously it's profound for me, I didn't think that that specific thing that I said was the be all and end all. They'll come back to me maybe a year later and say it was that thing that you said that changed everything. It was that thing that made me do this or do that. And that's so powerful. Like if you're making an investment and in a year, a year's time, someone is still 
in such a great space because of that investment that they made a year ago they're not paying for an hour they're paying for a year of their life and more because it's going to take them further in their career and in their life and in their happiness you you can't put a price on that so you know in terms of women in business we absolutely deserve to earn what we believe we deserve we should earn and I think you know taking guidance on that from spirit for me is important as well just sitting there and and kind of connecting saying okay how much should I charge for this service you know Uh because when you feel like you're being guided divinely by that I also think it's much more authentic I totally agree and I I think that's such a beautiful space to come from what I want to know as well because you've said that obviously you've been um going through a lot of your own healing while you've been building your business what's one of the biggest lessons you've learned as you grow your business I think that that is it in general it's that you what I've learned which is really good and I think I touched on this the other day it was that I didn't have to go full speed with making it really profitable straight away like I said I'm now really stepping into that zone and I think lockdown really helped that as well so it's it's realizing that it is all a journey so you could start business and you could be straight in with a certain price zone you could be straight in with working 24 7 but I found like I would do a retreat and then I'd go back into healing I would mm. you know set out to do a certain meditate maybe I'll just go to the studio and do meditations then I'd go back into healing for the week I might go to meditation two three times a week and then the rest of the time I wouldn't be trying to push too much because I'd still be in that healing zone and I felt like taking my time with that and not seeing it as right you know this is it I have to go full throttle into it was truly what helped me get to where I am now and I think you know just accessing that like so much has happened since lockdown at a a really fast speed for me like since lockdown I have you know developed so much of my sound healing I have been in so many more PR publications that I would have thought I had to have a PR agent for I it, so much has happened because of all that time and self-healing and talking about lockdown we were I obviously work in a studio which was one of my you know the best highlights of my day was working in a studio or going to the studio for that week and having no studio to go to not being able to leave the house and doing all those things in lockdown a lot of my a lot of people I would see were rushing to start up, you know, online spaces. They were, Instagram was full of people doing IGTVs and meditations and exercises. And at one point, my um, my cousin said to me, you know, this could be the point where you start your subscription. This is the point where I said, do you know what? This is the point where I take time for myself. If at the other side of, and you know, at this space, I felt like I was, you know, we've been to Marrakesh, so I felt like I was in the supermarket. I'd open up Instagram, I'd open up the TV. And I felt like everyone was coming to me like, bye, 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 bye. There was, it felt like yeah, it was yeah. just noise. So to take myself back to that space of, you know, who knows where the money's gonna be at the other side of this, because I'm not getting paid from the studios. I'm not getting paid from retreats. I can't do what makes me have money and what makes me feel happy I went into my own healing for maybe two months and I come out the other side I went into the zone of like just sound bathing myself in sound and what's happened from that has been beautiful so it was knowing that you know go at your own pace check in with yourself do not be you know it sounds like not 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 being that sheep not being that follower but really connecting back to yourself it's so helpful in business most definitely that's such good advice you know not following the crowd and you know jumping on the bandwagons and I know one of my coaches you know said to me a few years ago it's the it's because you you know you're like striving so much and you you know it's just almost 
creating a resistance, you know, this kind of like cosmic resistance to what you actually want instead of really listening to where you're meant to be and following it. So for you listening to the fact that at that time you needed to be in your own healing, what comes from that is sensational because you are then putting out into the universe that you are healing yourself and then you are ready to receive when the time's right without pushing. And that push creates these blocks of resistance. It's so beautiful. It's so true. And as I said, lockdown for me was like, gosh, who knows if we're ever going to get this space again to not have the FOMO of missing out on not getting work or not being in that space or not going out and networking, meeting people. It was just like, when will you ever get this time to just breathe and be and love the family and enjoy every like you you, we were also in that space of like where you could so connect to fear like who knows what's going to happen with your family members so it was like if this is a space where I can connect have conversations have zooms and have like one-to-ones that you don't have because you're so busy with the fam like with the family basically Mm -hmm. if this isn't a point where you can connect back to what really matters then when is yeah so true so true and it was so overwhelming all that instagram stuff like i was so overwhelmed by it all like we thought okay everything's going to shut down and actually we're just going to kind of my husband because he's not really on social media was like it felt good to not have this fomo of everyone's going here on a saturday night or everyone i know is going here for a holiday or people have gone there for a holiday there was no fomo in that respect but because i'm on social media i felt that fomo was like overwhelming like here's another group that you need to join to help you with this and here's an and like even though it was most of it was coming from like well-meaning spaces of you know here's some something your yeah, meditation you can do or an exercise you can do it was just too much wasn't it it was too because I think what I found and what I found from speaking to a lot of practitioners that jumped on that bandwagon straight away is they were also reacting from fear and in order to do that they they reacted in that way so again it's when I say you know we I did what I did by stepping back, but they did what they needed to do to heal in that moment. That was to react. Their their way was to react, to jump up, to support somebody else in order to feel like that was their only space. But then, yeah, within time, they too was like, well, no, what am I doing? Like, I'm not even in alignment with myself here. But it's just how how everyone reacts differently, isn't it? It's such a good reminder, though, isn't it, to when things happen that are out of our control and these big kind of life-changing events, maybe just to take a step back before you follow the crowd or before you make these big decisions of right everyone else is doing this I've got to do this quick let's jump in the bottom of my you know just to take a breath and take a step back and just connect to yourself and and take some kind of spiritual guidance to see right what am I meant to be doing me personally not because the rest of the world's doing it what's my purpose right now that was a good yeah. reminder for that such a good reminder but then it also had me um it was so funny because that that was my reminder that I took from it but the also lesson I learned was you know about just taking my lesson from it and not judging what others are doing because at the mm-hmm. same time a bit like I, I liken it a bit to when you're grieving when some people are grieving they take time to heal to nurture to actually step in and remember that person and to deal with how they're feeling and some people jump straight into getting back to life to not looking at it because that is their healing modality at that point is they don't need to look at it but it's then remembering that at some point you will have to which is why I saw those those practitioners do they jumped right in because they were like how do I make money this is my space to make money then they were like okay no wait this is my space for me so again it's always that balance of like checking back in with yourselves 
Yeah. But, you know, there was that fear, of course, you know, if you've got family to support and, you know, you know you've had to close your studio down or whatever, it's like, OK, how am I going to support my family now? And sometimes you do have to do that. But I think equally taking a moment to just connect and, and, and ask for the guidance of what, sh how should I manage this right now when there's kind of life changing things going on? I think that's always such a, a good way to make that decision. I agree. It's, it's always the way I lean to. Yeah. Um, I want to touch on your retreats quickly, because obviously... Well, it's been exactly nearly a year since we went to Morocco mm. and, you know, the inner work touches so deep and I'd love for you to just talk us through exactly what happens at one of the retreats. So um, the retreats in Morocco are like anything, nothing I've ever been on. So even that was divinely guided. Even now, when I'm touching on it, I've, I've been going through headaches this week because we're supposed to be going again this year now. And obviously, you know, we're in that space where you can't trust what's going to happen. So I'm having to make that decision, you know, lean into the people and be like, maybe we're putting it back. And that's been a real, a real learning curve in itself in order to give in to the fact that I can't do anything about that. So what happens is, in Morocco is we go on an immersion retreat so we go on a complete journey of self while going on a complete journey of Marrakesh as itself so we start in a villa where we deep dive into self-love into deeping into what's actually going on inside us what can we access more of or what do we need to let go of so we spend three days doing that and then we also spend three days bonding, but it's also a time of resistance. You can be resisting that. So that gives you that space in order to do that. And um, then we move to the desert and that gives you a space of reflection. It, if you've had any resistance that you've been holding on to once you get to the desert, you often let go of it. And you can just start to really seek that space of solace, of self-love, of nurturing, because you're in the silence. You haven't got your phone you're not having access to your phone and to the internet when you're away from reception and you just have that space to really connect to each other if you've been in a private room at the villa I often make it that we share rooms or you have times of when you're sharing spaces in the desert because you get to have time where you know you can be silent and time when you can share your thoughts and feelings so it's really good to be having that moment in the desert where it's like your mind is able to just be still and we all I forgot to touch on we have the most amazing photo shoot at the villa where it's a self-love photo shoot where again you start to see yourself in either a beautiful space where you start to you know you can question why you feel in this way about having your photos taken and you can feel so raw and so open yet so beautiful so the photo shoot session as well is such a journey of like how do you judge yourself? How do you feel? And then really accepting yourself and blossoming into enjoying the moment of being able to just be at one with yourself. So that's what happens. And then we move into the city, which is such a beautiful space because, you know, city life is busy, especially in Marrakesh. And our own life can be busy, whether it's with work, with the children, with your everyday life, with your family. It is just a busy zone. So going back into Marrakesh and into the city itself just before you go home enables you to access all that you've learned all the healings that you've done and everything you need to let go of and have let go of and know that you know this is a journey so when we get into the city anything that we've learned we each can take on board so it's a space where each of us can lead meditations that have 
being on the retreat. It's a space where we can all access maybe angel readings and knowing how when we go back home, we'll be able to do that, where we can, you know, lead affirmations. So everybody on that retreat gets to lead each aspect we've learned during the retreats so that we know that when we go home, we're able to do this ourselves. So it's such a really beautiful immersion retreat. It really is. And, and you know, you haven't even touched on all the practitioners or that, you know, the, the, everyone that's there, you know, we have amazing yoga and the meditations and, you know, Gemma with her amazing food mm-hmm. and personal training sessions. And, you know, it really is immersive. And um, it was such a, such a healing experience for me for so many reasons what was interesting about it though was how everyone dealt with each part of it so differently so you know some people needed so much alone time to reflect on the things that were coming up and you know we did a lot of journaling didn't we there was so much journaling going on um and yeah like you say like some people some of us were there were things that came up because of the photo shoots and um, we'd have to go and reflect on that. And some of us wanted, you know, more time in the group bonding because that was, you know, talking, talking things through sometimes is really helpful. And it just kind of, you got all of that and you could take it, you could do with it whatever you wanted. I I missed out on the bit when, when you went back to Marrakesh because I had to get home to the kids and that was my kind of compromise, wasn't it? Because it was like, right, Vida was one and uh, Braxton was four. And it was like, right, I've spent this whole year really immersed in breastfeeding and, you know, being just mum all the time. And I need this for myself, but there had to be a balance. I couldn't be away for a whole week. Um, but it was the most healing experience. It was so beautiful. Yeah, I'd love it. So are you only doing the Morocco ones just once a year? No, it's twice a year, you know, when there's no COVID, May and November. May and November okay because I'm going to link up all the details for that in the show notes because so people can look that up um because as a retreat you know I highly recommend it um I just you know we we, we, we've we've spoken so much because there's so much to chat about but I do want to touch on one of your biggest passions as well and something you're striving for which is to make wellness and spirituality more diverse and accessible I think by creating the retreats and the way you have it does make it seem less overwhelming as a concept as well and something that anyone you know no matter where they come from what their background is can have access to I want to know why you think the wellness industry is so lacking in so much a diversity because it really is lacking still it really is lacking and I found that came on a race point it also came on you know it came on the thing of like bodies like you feel like if I spoke to women that were plus size and they they too didn't feel like they were comfortable in those spaces as well as people that are from all different religions that also didn't feel comfortable in those spaces I just think you know when things started everything changes but sometimes things don't change with the times and I feel like the wellness industry is one of those things that haven't had the doors open so that's that was a really thing as I said when I was in my healing I just went into these spaces and I'd be the only black woman and I'd be like, why is that? And then, you know, I'd have black women came come to my retreats and be like, I never knew this was a thing. I never knew that this is how it could be. And I just didn't even know that that this could help me in this way because it just, the doors just aren't open. And do I know why? I still haven't figured out why those things are. I don't know if it goes back to a thing, a bit like as women, We've, we've been trying to push those doors open that have been closed to anyone that wasn't a man and I just feel like sometimes those spaces are like that people have different races and different body shapes 
because like kind of ancestrally we hold that don't we we hold what we believe to be a truth or what's been passed down to be a truth so and it's nice that you touched on you know not just race or religion it's about body types as well because I think people really can feel like that if you go to a yoga studio or even a retreat you know is everyone there going to be skinny and wearing all these yoga clothes and I'm going to look like this or you know so kind of the diversity has to come in every you know it's not just about it's not just about one thing it's about making it accessible to everyone regardless of what they look like or where they're from or what their background is or what you know religion they follow um yeah that's and and you you do do that you are very big on that and I love that about you and I think you're trailblazing for that which is amazing I think it's a, a, a huge thing you know to be proud of um, it's hard on levels because I have a friend who's also disabled and she's in a wheelchair and when she came to the retreat it was like you know we don't take even myself hadn't taken into the aspect of like what that what they need you know the ramps right. and you know yeah. when I think about how can I make these people how can I allow these people to come on retreats it's like well what would we do when we go to the desert and how would that work and is there a ramp there and you know what will we work when we're going down the hills and it's like it's, it's really opening it up for people, as I said, to be inclusive on all levels. And that that isn't easy, but it's something that needs to be done. Yeah, it's absolutely not easy. You know, I've, as you know, been in a wheelchair and I know what that's like. So, and, and it's very, very difficult emotionally, psychologically to know that people can just do these simple things because they can just get there. And if you're in a wheelchair, you can't. All these things have to be taken into consideration. Like you say, are there ramps? Is it, you know even you know all the things if we, I think about all the things we did on the retreat you know just going into the market you know it's not exactly wheelchair friendly um and but it's good that you know people practitioners or you know leaders in the wellness industry are starting to open their eyes to diversity and inclusivity for everyone because it's going to make the industry seem like a very and feel like a very different place if there is genuine diversity Mm, it's such it's such a big deal something we so need to step into I mean I've loved every part of this chat I could chat to you forever and ever but <laughs> <laughs> we, end, uh, we end each show with a series of questions and a segment called all about you which um just helps the listeners get to know you a little bit better um so all about you, Aisha Carrington. What is the best advice you've ever been given? Um, it's funny you say that because even when you, I knew this question was coming, again, this is when you have to trust your intuition. So my friend, Hannah, um, said to me, like, especially for the journey I've been going through and as I've been stepping more and more into my purpose, and she said, you know, you just need to be who you are because the world needs you. And I think that is when you think of everything else and every obstacle you come up to, when you think if you're stepping forward in alignment and being exactly who you are, I, I believe everything will work out. I agree. I agree. I think that's such a great piece of advice. Uh, what do you wish someone would have told you before you started your business? I wish they had told me that. I wish they had told me, yes, to lean, to lean into my worth more. I wish I'd listened and believed that. I think more people probably told me that, but I wish I believed it. I think that's the thing. I wish I believed it. I wish I was able to lean into those affirmations even more. But as I said, everything can divine timing. So that also is a thing I believe that you learn what you need to when you need to. 
Yeah, very true. One misconception about spirituality. That we all have a spirit and spirituality is just connecting back to yourself. If you forget religion, if you forget all the things that you need to do to be a spiritual person, just know that we are spirit and connecting back to yourself means you are a spiritual person. I love that. Uh, the question you ask yourself most. I, I think, you know, I'm going to go for the first thing that comes to my mind and it's, am I worthy? And I think it's always remembering that affirmation. As I said, coming from somebody who had low self-esteem and who went through all things, I think that that being worthy is a thing that I always have to nurture and lean into. So that's, that's personal to me. Mm. Just for a little bit of fun to end, what would your last supper be? <laughs> I'm obsessed with pasta, so it would be macaroni and cheese. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say macaroni and cheese. I'm obsessed you are with macaroni and cheese. <laughs> wait, 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 but we need a starter and a dessert. Oh, dessert would have to be something sweet with ice cream, something like sticky toffee. And a starter, would, a starter would be like prawns or calamari, something fish. Oh. Oh, that was really good. Okay, so if you ever come to my house, I know what to make you now. Yes. <laughs> oh, I've loved this so much. Thank you for all your wisdom and just, you know, such a lovely chat. And for everything, you know, all the knowledge that everyone's going to be able to pick. I think there are so many takeaways from this episode that people are going to be able to come back to time and time again. So thank you. Thank you so much. You know, it's been so healing, reflecting, and there's points where I've got quite emotional. So I'm thanking you for bringing this up because as I said, it's consistently healing and just having these conversations. Some of the things I've spoke about or the way I've been able to adapt the way I think on it, I actually haven't spoken about before. So I'm just truly grateful for you to bring this conversation forward. Oh, thank you so much. So the next retreat, you're not sure if it's happening, but where can people find you so they can keep up to date with all of this? So you can find me on AishaCarrington.com or the GetLitRetreat.com. The GetLitRetreat.com is also a shop that enables you to have retreats at home yourself by, by purchasing the products. And um, AishaCarrington.com, I also now do one-to-one -one retreats. So even if we aren't doing a big retreat, we, you can book me and I can take you on your own personal retreat at a luxury hotel or a luxury space that we enable to give you two days of full-on one-to-one sound baths and healings and self-love deep diving. Oh, and people have to follow you on Instagram for your sound bath because these crystal sound bowls are amazing. They actually are the most amazing thing I've ever connected with, I, I will be honest. And um, you can get me Aisha Carrington underscore on Instagram. Amazing. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to you for being here. Thank you. Bye-bye. Condition podcast is proud to support the El Shaddai Charitable Trust, an organisation in Goa who provide homes for orphaned children and support for families living in extreme poverty by giving them a second chance at life. You can donate or support at childrescue.net.